0: Everybody, no huddle show here at Lincoln Financial Field for, believe it or not, the last time in a month. We're not back here until September 24th when they take on the Giants in week three, so preseason now kind of in the books. I mean, for the for the players that actually are fighting for roster spots, next week's really going to matter, but Matt, tonight was our last chance to see the starters, and we didn't even see them as long as we thought we would, and uh, let's get the score out of the way. 38-31 win over the Dolphins.
1: Yeah, Elliot, I thought that the offense put to rest a lot of doubts tonight, but some more concerns, specifically along the offensive line, seemed to open up mm-hmm. almost out of nowhere after a really solid week of practice with the Miami Dolphins. I thought Carson Wentz was spectacular, Torrey Smith, I, saw, I thought Tonight, kind of showed why he's poised to bounce back from a couple disappointing seasons, and you know the defense keeps doing its thing. Four yeah. turnovers again tonight. Eleven turnovers through the first three weeks of the preseason.
0: I feel like I always have to be the buzzkill, so we'll we'll get into it a little. With Tor- <laughs> we'll get into it a little with Tori Smith. I'm not ready to say uh, that you know all all issues are solved in the deep passing game, but before we get into everything we saw, let's take care of uh, the subscriptions, man. If you're listening to this in a browser, we appreciate it. A lot of you guys listen on YouTube. Go ahead and give us those thumbs up. But if you're listening on your iPod or iPhone, you should go ahead and subscribe. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Spreaker. So you can catch us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Once you do subscribe, give us that five-star review. Leave a little comment. We will read them all. We like to uh, see what you guys have to say, guys you want to have on, that type of thing. So go subscribe, go check us out, and leave those five-star reviews. All right, let's get into it. Yep. So. We can start with Torrey Smith if you want. Um, Torrey Smith obviously had the 50-yard uh, touchdown catch today on their, I think it was the first drive. Um, you know, he didn't have a catch prior to tonight, so he kind of... Wasn't
1: targeted before Right, tonight. wasn't even
0: targeted, so he yeah. broke out of that slump in a big way. Tell me why you think tonight was kind of a turning point for them.
1: Yeah, I think, Elliot, just watching all through the spring and all through OTAs, all through mini-camps, I, I thought you really saw the budding chemistry between Carson Wentz and Torrey Smith, mm-hmm. even more so than Alshon Jeffrey. And we've talked about it on the podcast. We've both written about the impact that both of those guys are going to have on this offense and on Wentz. And I think tonight you saw a breakthrough in a game. And I think that what the Eagles have been missing for the last three or four years has been that dynamic deep threat who you can draw up a nine route, he'd win the battle one-on-one, and a quarterback like Wentz can throw it up for grabs and he'd go and get it. And Tory Smith showed that he could do that tonight. He got yeah. behind Byron Maxwell, made a nice play, and it just feels like this is a harbinger of things to come for Wentz, for Smith, in the offense. So I,
0: the one thing I do agree with you on is you're right. In training camp, Smith and Wentz have been pretty productive. I mean, definitely more than him and Alshon, because Alshon hasn't been practicing. And what I liked what I saw out of Smith and Wentz in training camp is even though Wentz was only completing about half of his attempts to Smith. Um, I have the practice stats right here, actually. He had targeted Torrey Smith 37 times yeah. in camp for 23 completions, so a little over half. But as you can see, they're getting a ton of work, and even though he hadn't been targeted before tonight. So I do like to see that. And obviously tonight, look – Torrey Smith by not catching another 50-yard pass until week four or five, but just doing it tonight is a big deal because it shows opposing defensive coordinators that at least ha- has the ability. And that's not something you saw out of these receivers last year. Opposing defensive coordinators didn't have to worry about covering the, whole field, the right. whole field when they played the Eagles. So just the threat of it. And Torrey Smith, look, he already has the reputation. I mean, I know he had a down year in San Francisco last year, as we've discussed, but he is known as a deep threat. So defense coordinators were already thinking about it, but tonight you see Wentz hit him for that deep pass. That's really going to help them, I think. Even if the Washington Redskins have to spend a little extra time game planning for it, that's a big deal tonight with that catch. And, and sorry. The yeah. only thing I would caution on is... I'm not ready to say he's going to have a breakout year off of one game. I think he was pretty bad last year in San Francisco. Dolphins aren't game planning, you know, all no, those I, caveats. No, I get that. But right. I think
1: the biggest concern with Torrey Smith coming into this year was is the speed still there? Does he still mm-hmm. have the legs? And, and you look at the numbers last year, 20 catches, one touchdown, and, and you start to think, okay, how much of it was Torrey Smith? How much was it uh, a revolving door of poor quarterback play and an offense that doesn't utilize his skill set? They, they don't right. air it out. That, that wasn't – what, what, my feelings about Chip Kelly being irrelevant to this, the one thing that he didn't do is air it out all well, that Desha- frequently.
0: Desha- Let's not get into a Chip thing, but Deshaun no. and Macklin did have big years. And for they d- they for did. one
1: season, sure, but right. you look at his offense, it's more of a you know east-west versus north-south offense, and my biggest worry about Torrey Smith coming into this season was, did he lose a step? Did right. he lose half a step? Does he still have the speed, which is what made him a special receiver, and his yards per catch average over the last you know, four years speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. The fact that he showed you tonight in a game situation that he still has that breakaway game-breaking speed, that's what you come away encouraged by. And I know it was only one catch for Smith, but it was a big catch. It was a confidence-building catch. But you look at the numbers for a guy like Zach Ertz, three targets, three catches, 44 yards, close to 15 yards per catch. Those are the sort of things that I think the presence of mm-hmm. Torrey Smith is it's really going to open up. It's going to open up plays for Ertz. It's going to open up plays for Aguilar or Hollins or whoever's in the slot. And whether Torrey Smith has an 800-yard season or not is irrelevant to me. But if he can bust open four, five, six, seven, eight of these big plays for touchdowns this year, I think that's where you look at it and say, you know what, the Eagles got their money's worth on a deal where they didn't put a lot out there financially Uh to bring him in. No, I agree.
0: And I do agree with you that he has does not look like he's lost a step. Um, in training camp, you know, he did have these deep, long catches, and we kind of said, well, they're, he's facing the Eagles cornerbacks. But tonight you saw him do it against the Dolphins, and he looked good against the Dolphins um, earlier in the week, too. He had about a, probably a 35-yard touchdown catch in an 11-on-11 drill. So yep. he's looked good against the Dolphins. Um, outside of just Torrey Smith, my two takeaways on the offensive side of the ball were, one, the poor play of the offensive line two, I still think Wentz played pretty good. What do you think of those things? What do you want to start with? What, you know, what you
1: I'm, I'm impressed by Wentz tonight. And mm-hmm. you think back to Lambeau Field and I stood on the turf at Lambeau Field and said that I was dazzled by what Carson Wentz was able to do going 4 for 4 passing. And I think in a lot of ways, tonight might have been even more impressive because he faced a constant barrage of, barrage of pressure. Ndamukong Su had a borderline chip shot where his hand got up on his helmet. Yep. And yet Wentz stuck it out, stood in the pocket, six of 10 passing 129 yards two touchdowns had that interception where the ball got batted up in the air but I think you saw what could be the best aspects of this offense and the best aspects of Carson Wentz and that's the ability to air it out to Smith and on the the touchdown pass to Alshon Jeffrey fit the ball into a tight window with great ball placement and I think that that's something that when you look at this preseason those were all things we were hoping to see from Wentz improved deep ball accuracy arm strength, pocket presence, and he checked all the boxes for me tonight. Yeah,
0: and the the thing is, I mean, overall, I don't think the first-team offense played that well when you consider, you know, the issues they had blocking. But Wentz still finished with, I think, 126 yards and two touchdowns and only a quarter of action. So he was on pace to have a huge game. Um, I agree with you the touchdown pass to Alshon he didn't get hit but you could tell he felt the pressure he sidestepped it and you really saw his arm strength on that throw the ability to kind of not have his feet completely set be a little bit on the move and just whip it down the field for about 45 yards I mean not all quarterbacks can do that um, and another funny thing is last week we're sitting here we're talking about you know when strength is not dealing with pressure and I do think there's still some truth to that and tonight Uh, You know, it's just one preseason game. But I do think you saw that sooner or later he will have the ability to handle pressure very well because he's very smart, he does a good job keeping his eyes down the field, he's mobile, and he wants to be a a passing first quarterback. So tonight I think you saw that even with the offensive line playing awful, I mean, they were... The Dolphins were in the backfield the majority of the game. Wentz did a good job. He took a few big hits. And the thing Wentz did last year that I thought he did a really good job of, tonight and last year, is he's not afraid to stand in there and take a hit. He, He will take a hit straight on. And I'm sure it makes Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson a little nervous, but that's why I mean it matters to be able to do that as a quarterback. And I think you saw tonight that even with the offensive line struggling, I mean he was able to get the uh, the offense going. I mean they still scored 14 points in the first quarter, and Doug pulled him early. That's how bad right. the offensive line was playing. So
1: and it's not every week you're going to face a defensive line that has Cameron Wake and Adama sue and is right. going to pressure the hell out of you. So I don't know that we can say that we should start sounding the alarm the alarm about the Eagles' offensive line. I don't think they were very good tonight, but I think that Carson Wentz and what we saw in terms of his Poison presence in the pocket, his deep ball accuracy, his ability to withstand the pressure and make some big plays, those are all encouraging signs. And you look at what he did against Green Bay going 4-for-4. Four four. You look at what he did tonight going 6-of-10. And you have to be encouraged when you look at the big picture, not just in the games, but what we've seen throughout the course of this training camp where he's had far more good practices than bad, far yeah. more highs than the lows of the lows. So I think that there are a lot of reasons to be excited about Wentz, but at the same time, Elliot, I think that the one thing we've talked about ever since Green Bay, it reared its ugly head again tonight when it comes to the offense. I, I don't think they're good enough at running back. And mm-hmm. I think that this is going to be a real concern for this team because you're setting yourself up to have Carson Wentz carry the entire load. Just look at Garrett well, Blunt tonight. Yeah. Four carries, 19 yards. 16 of those on yards one. came on one run out of the shotgun. Yeah. So he had three Carries where he combined for three yards, and these weren't the stretch plays. These weren't the sweep plays. This is what I've been talking about all week, trying to defend that story from last Sunday. <laughs> yeah. He looked slow up the middle. He didn't have that explosive burst to the hole in those between the tackle runs. And I thought that you know Wendell Smallwood played really well tonight. He uh, you know posted twenty eight carries, twenty eight yards on four carries rather. I thought Corey Clement separated himself from Denell Pumphrey a little bit, but. I just don't think that they're strong enough at running back to make you feel really good about this being a balanced offense. So I thought Wendell Smallwood
0: played pretty good tonight, and I think he kind of showed that, you know, Darren Sproles obviously is going to be on this team in a big part of the offense, but he's yep. such a big part of the passing game that it's kind of hard to view him as simply a running back. So when you look at just their three running backs with Blunt, Smallwood, Pumphrey, I guess four if you include Clement, depending if he's on the roster. I think Smallwood is the best option among those Totally players. agree. I mean, totally you, could, you agree. can really see, like, when he gets the ball, he's quicker hitting the hole. He runs just with the, an aggression. And I mean, he's tough to bring down. And he has the ability to get to the side and do those, uh, you know, sweet plays to the sideline that we talked about that Blunt can't do. So to me, I agree with you overall. The running backs are an issue. But I came away tonight, if I'm the Eagles, I'm encouraged by what I saw because you saw a healthy Wendell Small would get out there and show what he can do. And I think that that is encouraging. But before we get too much into the running game, I want to talk about the offensive line a little bit because sure. that's my main takeaway. I agree with you, it's not time to press the panic button completely. But I think, I mean, this interior of the offensive line now, I thought Jason Kelsey played better than a lot of people gave him credit for last year. He's not looked good overall. I don't
1: think he looked good tonight. He was kind of on skates tonight.
0: No, I mean, he was one of the reasons Wentz took a hit. Uh, Brandon Brooks gave up a hit. I mean, I still think he's one of the better players on the line, so that maybe is just one of those plays. But it just shows, like, if he's not playing well, Kelsey, you know, has not played well overall. Isaac Somalo, to me, is a major question mark. I know everyone thinks that uh, Alan Barber trade-slash-cut was a good thing by Howie, but I'm not as positive as everyone that Somalo is going to be able to step in here and be the player that uh, that Alan Barber was. So I didn't think Somalo played well tonight. And so now you're talking about the interior of your offensive line playing You know very poorly, and as much as we've talked about the impact the Eagles defensive line can have in terms of what Jernigan can do, what Cox can do, the reason the Eagles like that so much is because they know that if you can get pressure up the middle under the face of a quarterback it's really going to throw him off. I think you saw that a little bit tonight with Wentz, even though he played well overall in my opinion, Look, he bounced
1: back. But he, he's yeah. not,
0: Eagles aren't making the playoffs if, he, if he's running for his life like he was tonight. And he's not going to make it 16 games. And, you know, now the situation with Foles, with the backup, you know, now that that's a potential issue, keeping Wentz healthy obviously was always a top priority. But now it's especially important because you don't want Matt McGloin out there. So I think the offensive line is not a major issue, but I think what you saw tonight you know, he basically, Doug basically had to pull the first team offense because of how poorly the offensive line was playing. He didn't want to get Wentz hit anymore.
1: Which I thought was the right move. I mean, I you agree. think back to a year ago when he left Wentz in the game late in the fourth quarter of his first preseason game, and you wound up getting him hit and cracking his ribs, and he lost out on valuable reps for three weeks of camp and three weeks of the preseason. Mm-hmm. So I applaud Doug for getting Carson out of there and having a better in-game feel for the way things were going, but I was more disappointed with Jason Kelsey at than I was with Isaac Sayamalu, but I, I think that you know this this was not a good effort by this offensive line, a- and the offensive line is one of those areas where if you asked me to evaluate the strengths of this team going into Week One, if you talk to me going into training camp, I'd say the offensive line was one of this team's strengths, and now I think it's moving ever so slightly <laughs> towards the concern column. But again. You're not gonna face Kunsu, Cameron Wake, and a blitzing Kiko Alonso every week. Right. And
0: so I talked to some of the players in the locker room after the game. Brandon Brooks said, Yeah, of course we can get better. Um he but he was more painting the company line, saying, you know, we're gonna have time to get better. He's not concerned yet. Lane Johnson, as you know and you know, our listeners know from having him on the podcast. He, he's not one just to say things. He is very, keeps it honest. He said the offensive line has to be better. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're not going to get a ton of time on the field this week because they're going to be preparing the second and third teamers to play against the Jets in the final preseason game. So the Eagles really only have about one more week to get ready for the Redskins. And, you know, yeah. What the- I
1: really like about this, though, Elliot, and I mm-hmm. know that we've barely talked about this, but I wrote about it before training camp, but we've seen it, especially this week with the Dolphins, they've split the fields. And Doug has talked about yeah. having the starters against the starters with the coordinators and the position coaches on one field and the reserve players kind of with the assistant position assistants and the assistant right. coordinators on another field and I kind of like that because they can dedicate this week to having the the up and coming underlings on the coaching staff prepare the second and third string players for Thursday night and their final dress rehearsal. But you can have a full two weeks of just focusing on the starting offense and starting defense game planning and getting ready for the Redskins. I don't think a lot of coaches do that, but it's going to be interesting to see how sharp this this offense and this defense is going into the Redskin game two weeks down the line. Yeah, I
0: mean, the Redskins game last year was probably the worst game they had in terms of offensive line protection. Wentz yeah. got his jersey ripped. and Without know, lane, though, right. That was the first game of that suspension. No, yeah. And I mean the other thing I'll say though is yeah, the Redskins don't have Indominut Sue, but look, Ryan Kerrigan's a very yeah. good player. I mean, the, yeah. the Redskins have a pass rush. So it'll be really interesting to see if the Eagles offensive line can rebound. If they don't, they're not gonna win. I mean they're they I don't think they're gonna beat the Redskins anyway, but I picked uh, them to lose. If the offensive line plays like it did tonight against Redskins, they will not win that game. So let's talk about the defense side of the ball. I mean, a lot more to like on that side, I think, at least tonight from Michael Kendricks. But Ronald Darby doesn't play well tonight. Um you know, it would, the funny thing last week was when he had that interception, everyone's all on my Twitter mentions, you know, oh, it was a bad trade, it was a bad trade, right? And I said, you're pulling that card a little early because it's one quarter of one preseason game. So I'm not, you know, if I'm going to say last week to hold, you know, to not get overly hype about it, I'm going to do the same thing tonight. But the only thing I'm going to point out is, Ronald Darby didn't have a good night tonight. You saw some of his flaws. I mean, he didn't do a good job playing the ball in the air on that long seventy two yard pass to Devontae Parker. He bit on a double move by Kenny Stills and had to um you know commit the penalty in the end zone. Yep. So, I'm not saying that's the player Ronald Darby is. I don't think he's a player you saw last week against the Bills. I don't think he's a player you saw tonight. I think he's somewhere in the middle. And I think what you've seen is inconsistency. And that's what you get out of a, a player entering his third year. And for his first two years, it was really good one year and really struggled last year. So, Ronald Darby tonight, what were your takeaways? And you know, do you think Eagles fans should be concerned about what they saw tonight? Or do you think this was just one of those games?
1: Well, I think I'm more concerned about the pass interference penalty because that was pretty blatant. And mm. for a guy that you know, you look at what he did his rookie year and you look at where pro football focus ranked him in terms of cornerbacks that season. That's not the type of player where you just, you know, whip your arm across a guy's shoulder pad when the ball was in the air. I don't expect that out of a Ronald Darby. I'm more worried about that than the fact that he missed time to jump and made a bad play on the Devontae Parker 72-yard right. bomb. That's going to happen. He's five foot 11. If he's 6' foot tall and he makes that leap or he's six foot one, that ball's getting batted down. So, again, one of his weaknesses is tracking the football. But, again – I'm not going to crucify the kid for being aggressive and making a bad play, but I do think that when Corey Underlin and Jim Schwartz and the rest of the defensive staff looks at the tape and sits down with him, I think they're going to have to talk about that pass interference penalty because it was kind of senseless, right. and I don't think he made a very good play on the ball there, but I'll say this. He's their best corner, and even if he's somewhere in the middle between what you saw against his former team in the Bills and what you saw against the Dolphins, that's a pretty good player to have in this secondary, particularly if the pass rush is getting home as often as we've seen it get home in this preseason. Yeah, I
0: mean, obviously he's going to have to be better than he is tonight to make this a good trade because he was was not good tonight, Um, obviously. A lot of people were saying during the game, well, of course he's going to give up to Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker is I mean, what is he, 6'3", 6'4"? I mean, he's a big guy. Ronald Darby's only 5'11". Well, look, Ronald Darby is undersized for a cornerback, and he's going to face tall guys almost weekly in this league, especially in this division. In this division. Yeah. I mean, look, Brandon Marshall, if he's matched up against him, Brandon Marshall is good size. Des Bryant has good size. Uh, Terrell Pryor for the Redskins now has good size. So he's going to be facing larger larger cornerbacks and you know I talked to him in the locker room after the game and he said with uh Parker he just misplayed the ball he should he should have jumped uh he shouldn't have jumped when he did and that's one of the reasons he gave up the catches he talked about the Kenny Stills one yep. he said he bit on the double move and he got back there but he just kind of reached around him and that was the uh the penalty so he didn't seem overly concerned obviously he was disappointed he let the catches up he says he's going to go in the film room and work on it but he can't go in the film room and grow i mean this guy right. is only 5'11 and Let's not take
1: anything away from Jake Cutler either. Because I watched this defense. It was a very good
0: throw and catch on that 72 yard pass.
1: and, And I watched this defense. Both days the Dolphins were here. I charted him, Cutler, against the Eagles defense on Tuesday's practice, and he was something like, you know, 16 of 19 with six touchdowns and three picks and a couple of sacks. But but he seems dialed in, and you saw that tonight on the throw to Parker. You saw it on the deep ball. That was a tough play for any cornerback to make. Again, I I fault Darby more for the pass interference play, but I think that, you know, people might be selling Jay Cutler a little bit short because – He's got a strong arm, he mm-hmm. can flick it, and he seems like he really has his timing down with Parker and with Landry and with Kenny Stills in a way that you wouldn't expect a guy that was brought off the couch three weeks ago to have this quickly. Yeah,
0: so the other takeaway on defense for me was the play of Michael Kendricks, and it's not just tonight. He's had an outstanding training camp I mean, I mean, mean, and preseason. I've mentioned it a few times on the podcast. He just looks so much quicker and more athletic to me this year. I asked him after the game tonight, you know, are you playing lighter? Like you look like you're not, you're, you just look lighter than you did last year. He said, yeah. he's, he said he's the same weight. Um, so I guess that that is what it is. But another great game tonight had the 31 yard interception. And to me, that was big because an area he struggled, even when he's been at his best has been in pass coverage. So to see him make a play like that, you know, to get the interception, take it back 31 yards. So the question I will, I will uh, throw at you and then I have my take on it, but okay. do they trade him? And what do you trade him for? Do you keep him? I mean, where where are you at on this right now? Because I think at the beginning of camp, if I would have asked you this, you would have said, yeah, for whatever you can get. I think we're officially past that point with Kendricks. Yeah,
1: I agree with you. I think that if you can shop him around between now and next Saturday, and you can get a a Jeremy Hill, or you can get a running back who can step in here, a Matt Jones type, even though I don't Mm -hmm. think you really like to deal a playmaking linebacker within the division, but if you can get a legitimate two to three down running back, or you can get another young cornerback and I think he absolutely explored the option of flipping him in a deal. But short of that, Elliot, I think you got to keep him. And I think you got to increase his reps playing alongside Jordan Hicks because, as good as Nigel Bradham is in coverage, Michael Kendricks is great rushing rushing the passer. We've seen that through the preseason. He made the playing coverage tonight on the interception. It seems like he's really done a really nice job of committing himself to the weight room and committing himself to learning this scheme in the second year. So unless I'm blown away and I can get a starting caliber running back or linebacker, I, I think you got to keep him and you got to play him.
0: And I think, well, this team, obviously, if you if you could get a guy like Jeremy Hill, you would consider it because of just how bad their running backs are. But obviously... Draft picks is something this team needs, too. And you wonder, look, they don't have a second or a third next year. I don't think at this point you're getting a second or a third for Kendricks. I, I don't think that happens. But I will say, he is a young player that's talented. Yep. So, I mean, it's not like you're trying to trade Jason Peters here. I mean, Kendricks, in theory, could play six, seven more years at a high level for this team. Well, so, if you get a
1: second-round pick, you drive him well, to yeah, the airport and yeah. take the second round. Right, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean,
0: maybe you get a fifth that, that has some, uh, you know, could turn into a fourth or a third or something like that. But... I'm kind of with you on Kendricks. I think at this point, look, I mean, we saw tonight uh, Jordan Hicks was out and they had to start Najee Good. I'm not saying you can put Kendricks at middle linebacker, but Kendricks is probably your – well, he's definitely your best backup linebacker. And here's the thing about Bradham. Yeah, Bradham is good against the run and all those things. Bradham's only really going to be here next year. If you can somehow coach Kendricks up, get him out of the doghouse, get him more reps – get him on the field. I don't think it's at a point where you've got to get him on the field. But, look, we talked about it last week. If Darby, if he plays better than he did tonight, you're going to be able to blitz a little more than you did last year because you're going to be able to play man coverage on the outside or at least on Darby's side. Um, so if a team called and, you know, wanted to get Kendricks from me, I would obviously consider it for a second-round pick, you do it. I would probably do it for a third-round pick, too. But I'm not at the point where I was at the beginning of the training camp where if you can get like a seventh or a sixth, do it simply just to get him off the roster. Um, And I think that's a testament to him, too. I think he's done a great job kind of dealing with all these trade rumors. He's never a problem in the locker room. Um, You know, almost always talks recently, at least. He talked today. Um, look, I mean, you, you were there when he talked. He basically said, you're renting space in the NFL, and who knows when I'll be here.
1: Yep, and he said whether it's here or anywhere else, he feels like he deserves to play. But we'll see, because I think that... And again, people have talked about this on Twitter with me, Elliot, and you and I have gone back and forth on it a little bit. I think we're going to see Jim Schwartz blitz more this year because mm-hmm. of the addition of Ronald Darby. I think that Schwartz is more comfortable leaving Darby on an island than maybe he was Nolan Carroll and certainly more than Leotis McKelvin last year. And if that's the case, Michael Hendricks is an asset to this scheme, this scheme and this system and this team because one of his strengths is getting after the quarterback, is making plays in the backfield. So short of getting a third or a fourth-round pick, short of getting a starting corner. Cornerback or running back, at a position you're really thin at. Michael Kendricks has a chance to be a playmaker for you, and I wouldn't move him short of getting blown away by an offer. So training camp.
0: I mean, I'm excited for next week's game. I'm. I mean, you probably are too. But we're in the minority with that. I like seeing the guys fight for that last roster spot. I like figuring out who's going to be my 50th to 53rd guy. But. That being said, training camp is and preseason is basically over at this point. The starters will not play next week against the Jets. And we'll have plenty of time to talk about that game. But just tonight, gut reaction, do you feel better or worse about this team after three preseason games? Because we're not going to see these starters again until they go on the field in Washington.
1: Yeah, I don't know, Elliot, that I've moved my win-loss meter on this team after tonight or after the preseason. But I feel a little more optimistic because I think Carson Wentz has – Answered the bell in a lot of ways that we talked about earlier on in the podcast. This defense, they forced 11 turnovers through three games. They're getting pressure on the quarterback. Fletcher Cox is playing like a man possessed with Tim Jernigan alongside him. I don't know what that means in terms of wins and losses, but from where I was before Green Bay to after Miami – I'm feeling a little more optimistic about this team right now. So, surprise,
0: surprise, I'm not feeling as optimistic, and here's why. The offensive line has not played well, and this team is going to go as far as the offensive line takes it. I think the offensive line has a potential to be better than the way they've done in the preseason, but I haven't seen it. So if I'm looking at this team, I'm saying, all right, the offensive line is going to be an issue. I think Carson Wentz has played very well, but I also think you know Ronald Darby has been up and down. The secondary to me is still an issue. The run defense hasn't been great. I'm still at somewhere around – eight to nine wins with a you know, maybe seven, but
1: yeah, I'm I, somewhere I, between seven and nine, but right. maybe I'm inching towards you're, nine. You're,
0: you're probably gonna be at twelve by the time no, we uh, no, record. no 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 <laughs> not by, me. by the time <laughs> we record this uh, our season preview. So I just think tonight to me, you know, when the offensive line didn't play great against the Packers, you could say, All right, well Brandon Brooks isn't playing. When they didn't play last week uh very well against the Bills, you can say, Okay, well Jason Peters wasn't there and you had Matt Tobin in. Now you had all five guys. All five guys were in there, and the culprits that really did it for you were guys that are going to obviously play a ton, Brandon Brooks and Jason Kelsey. So I'm not as optimistic about this team because of that as when the season started. I'm not two wins less. I'm not one win less. I'm just just—I'm not feeling any better about them based off of what I've seen. But obviously, as I say almost every podcast, if Carson Wentz is really good, that's going to change a lot of things. And I think he has shown that ability to do so. So before we wrap this up, any other takeaways from the game? Or?
1: No, I'm I'm interested to see this, third, this fourth and final preseason game, what Corey Clement and Donald Pumphrey do. I want to see what happens with some of the bottom of the roster wide receivers. And, you know, you look at the safety position, Who's how's that going to shake out? Those are the things I'm looking forward to against the Jets. But off of tonight, Elliot, I feel pretty good. And I think mm-hmm. that overall there was more good than bad to take away from this game tonight.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely going to be a lot to talk about. I know we'll both rewatch the game. And next week we'll really dive into the 53-man roster prediction because yep. – You know, the Eagles play next Thursday, then they make cuts on Saturday. So we'll probably try to do an episode or two next week.
1: And I know I have mine coming out Friday, yours drops on Saturday. So lots of 53-man roster projections coming your way on NJ.com. That that is
0: one of my favorite things to write. I love going over it. So we'll probably record a new one of these on Monday, Um, have that for you Monday, and then we'll try to do one more before the Jets as well. So as I said at the beginning, go subscribe. Come on. We, we, we love the five-star reviews. We love the comments. You can get us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Spreaker. And then once you subscribe, leave us a comment. If you're listening to us on YouTube, go ahead and toss us a like on that. I really appreciate you guys that have been doing that. All right. This place is shutting down. The lights are starting to uh, go off, so we'll get out of here. And uh, Matt, talk to you on Monday. Talk to you Monday.